The Helping Hand was ultimately created to spread awareness of and support Canopy, the only refugee resettlement agency in the state of Arkansas. Canopy works to create a community where refugees are welcomed and equipped with all that they need to build new lives and thrive. For more information on how you can make Canopy's mission a reality, please visit CanopyNWA.org. Now on to the show. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Shirji Naim, and welcome to another episode of The Helping Hand. Today, we're going to be talking about an organization called the School Bag Project. I have with me here today, Maria Mahjoub, the organization's executive director, and Bahar Amani, its education director. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. All right. uh, so let's get this started with, uh, would you mind telling the folks back home a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess I can get started with that. So I'm a graduate student at the University of Toronto. Um, I'm studying the determinants of uh, health inequities in children with neurodevelopmental conditions. And um, I'm really interested in outreach projects such as the School Bag Project, which is why um, I got involved. Thanks, Miriam. And similar to Miriam, I'm also a graduate student at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, I'm just completing my PhD, so I'm sort of in the final run, hoping to be done in a few months, hopefully, if all goes well. Um, and very similar to Miriam, actually, and this is something that we sort of bonded on, was I'm also looking at how like different early experiences, adverse experiences affect brain development. And I'm specifically looking at how exposure to maternal depression affects brain development in infants. And if we treat the mothers very early on, if that leads to improvements or a reversal of any negative effects that maternal depression has on neurodevelopment. So both of you guys are really interested in children and their health and education. Is Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Exactly. All right. And um, if you guys don't mind, what is the school pro- bag project? Yeah, so it's a grassroots um, organization um, led by youth for uh, ages ranged 15 to 30. And um, our mission is basically to empower newcomer and refugee Afghan youth um, in their education. We started off as like a group of two people, uh, me and my sister, and we were providing pre-packed school bags to uh, members of the Afghan newcomer and refugee community. And I'm really happy to say that it's expanded quite a bit. And now um, we really try to target educational inequities, health inequities that um, Afghan newcomers may face. And we've created a nice little team here. And um, yeah, that's pretty much summarizes that. 
Okay. Yeah, and um, I just want to add that I, uh, so I met Miriam through, we have similar part-time jobs, and I ended up just seeing some stuff that she was doing, and I saw, I think I saw that article that you um, were featured on, it was the UFT one for your program, and I saw this article, and I was like, oh my god, I know her, and I was reading about the organization, I was like, this is awesome, and I used to do a lot of community related work. Um, I used to work with a lot of like grassroots foundations and, and do a lot of stuff that involved me working in communities and working with disadvantaged youth and helping them, especially with education related initiatives. And I, when I started grad school, I stopped doing a lot of volunteering because I just didn't have the time or I couldn't make the time for it. But I saw Miriam's article, I read it and I was like, I absolutely have to get involved. So I reached out to her and I was really lucky that at that time, I think Miriam was already considering expanding the organization and taking it from just being this organization where the main focus was um, sort of providing students with the materials that they need that are a necessity. And they're also expanding the organization so that they can work on like bigger picture things like how do like what kinds of initiatives can we start in the community that could have a larger transformation like resources or contacts and things like that so so it was a really oh oh, sorry go ahead (laughs) I was just saying it was a really nice coincidence because um technically me Bahar was working we were working at a I guess a educational institution and we were working at the same place for a year but we didn't know we had all of these similar interests um only after uh we found that that out so it was a really nice coincidence so did you guys just like contact each other and you know like we're like hey I think I Miriam I don't I have a feeling I did this. Uh, I think I messaged you on LinkedIn, a really yes. long message. I, I just, <laughs> I read the article and then I just wrote out this really long message to Miriam. I'm like, Mario, I think we work together. Um, and I have a feeling that you're Afghan by the looks of your face and the sound of your name. I'm like, you must be Afghan. And I love that you're doing this. Um, and I really want to get back to doing that kind of work because I find it selfishly very rewarding for me being able to like give back and do that type of work so I said that to Miriam and she was just so warm and then we hit it off right away so it worked out very well okay very well okay and you know it's really cool because this I I know you both of you guys uh probably noticed because I mentioned in the email that I first sent to both of you but uh the helping hand is affiliated with a, a local refugee resettlement agency and we also do work with a lot of Afghan refugees as well as refugees from other countries. And we basically focus on, you know, like getting them up on their feet. And it's kind of like a grassroots organization as well, because it was started by like a local Lutheran church. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And it's basically to like get them connected to the community as a whole, which I think the helping hand or sorry, the, this, the school bag project, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The school back project also uh, tries to do, am I yeah. correct? Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. it's hard. I mean, I think that both of us can speak from experience that it's kind of hard to get integrated into the larger community and not even just getting integrated in the community, but getting integrated in the community in the sense that you're aware of what resources are available and the resources that can help, especially when you're younger with your career and your education and knowing how to do things and knowing how to navigate navigate the educational system because like for us 
um, so my family, we're immigrants. Um, I mean, refugees, technically. And when we got to Toronto, I mean, my parents didn't know. My parents didn't know what to do. I was put in a elementary school. Um, I spoke fluent English. It actually ended up being one of my, like, English is my primary language. I speak it much better than I speak Farsi. But for some reason, they put me in ESL. And that always rubbed me the wrong way. And it didn't occur to me until I was a lot older that I was put in ESL. And that meant that I was being taken out of more important classes like math and science um, and English to be in an ESL class where they just played games with me the whole time. And I specifically remember doing really poorly in math because a lot of my math instruction time, I was put in this class with other students who couldn't speak English as well. Um, and it was weird to me because my, my parents never caught on. They didn't, they didn't know any better. They, they didn't know to be concerned that I was being pulled out of class under the assumption that I couldn't speak English at all. Um, but it happened and it did get in the way of how well I did in elementary school. Fortunately, I switched schools um, when I got to middle school and I moved to an area that was a lot more diverse. So the assumption wasn't, oh, the, the token kid from Afghanistan whose parents are immigrants, she obviously doesn't speak English through an ESL. Um, but it's, it's just really important that there's people there to, to bridge that gap. And that's, I think, what we're trying to do with the school bag project. You know, this is off topic, but like, it's really funny because I was put into an ESL class. Were too. you? <laughs> yes. Even though I'm not like my parents are immigrants from Pakistan, but I was born and raised in the United States. So <laughs> they just kind of assumed that I didn't know how to speak English, I guess. But I don't oh, know. man. Yeah. And they don't realize that these assumptions that they make have long term implications. See, I had no idea that that was a problem in Canada, too. So. <laughs> it is. It, it really, it really is. And like, I won't, I won't like go into this too long. I just want to be mindful of our time. Um, but I didn't realize until I got older because I was in, so from grade like one until five in the school, I was flunking out and getting such bad grades. But then when I switched schools to this more diverse school um, where the teachers were all predominantly white, but they, I mean, they knew how people from different cultures and ethnicities, like they had a better understanding. Um, I suddenly started getting straight A's and my parents were like, what's going on? Why is she suddenly getting straight A's? Why, why are they sudden? Why is she suddenly doing well in school? And then it wasn't until I got a little older and I found those report cards of me getting R's and R's and D's and C's and Bahar's doing so poorly. And then realizing, oh, something went wrong <laughs> there was something being done really poorly before and just to just to add to that it kind of ties into some of the research that um i'm reading about uh regarding my graduate thesis and it talks about how uh these classrooms oftentimes like segregated support when you put a child in like a different classroom it may do more harm than good because you're really facilitating a social exclusion right so um it's frustrating that they don't look into that too deeply when we have like newcomers and refugees um, in Canada or, or America. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, are you guys saying that to segregate people or, well, actually segregation sounds wrong, but like, you know, to like separate like people like refugees and immigrants from like interacting with other people just because you want to teach them how to speak like a language first actually does more harm than good. 
you think that it would be better if they were just put in a regular classroom where they would be forced to interact with other people so because you know that's the best way to learn a language is by interacting with people that speak that right yeah and immersing mm-hmm. them i guess it's like it's more of a case-to-case basis i'd yeah. say because like obviously if um if there's a newcomer and they're very young and they actually don't speak a word of english <laughs> they would have to learn a bit right right um but i guess it's more that it would be a case-to-case basis and like in my case and even your case um you weren't even an immigrant you were actually born in the u.s mm-hmm. so you would have been have like you would have had english all around you you would have learned it from the beginning in that case i mean you just shouldn't assume that we don't speak english mm-hmm. and the other problem was like in my case and i don't know if this is the same for yours i remember being taken out of very important classes so classes like math, I remember being taken out of math class to go bake cookies with the ESL class. And I remember doing that. And then I remember failing a bunch of my math tests. But I mean, no wonder I was busy learning how to bake. It wasn't like I, they were even doing a great job teaching me English, English that I already knew how to speak. Honestly, to be fair, I would much rather learn how to bake cookies than do math. But that's just my personal <laughs> opinion. <laughs> I would have rather done the math, to be honest. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, to go back to the topic of the school bag project, I know we rambled a little bit there, but I really do think that discussion was really important, you know, just because Absolutely. it does relate more to what you guys both do research in when it comes to children's education. But uh, going back to the school bag project, um, I know, Mariam, you, and your sis- you said that you and your sister founded the project, right? Yes, uh, back in June 2020 at the start of the pandemic, actually. 2020. Oh, okay. So what is, I guess, what inspired you to start the project? Was it more saying how the pandemic kind of isolated everybody so that people that really needed, you know, like essential supplies, they weren't able to get it? They didn't have access to it as they should have? Yeah, I think it was like a multitude of reasons. That was a definitely a big thing. Um, at the time, I was also actually working with a refugee organization. And um, I firsthand saw many of the struggles, aside from uh, originally coming as a refugee to the country myself, just seeing the struggles become exasperated during the pandemic. It was honestly really concerning. So um, during that time, me and my sister got together and we brainstormed ways that we could Uh, help at least dissipate some of the struggles, right? And um, through our own experience as uh, Afghan newcomers to Canada, we knew that one of the huge things that I remember when my family came, it was affording all of these like small things here and there, like the new backpacks, the new this, the, the, um, you know, uh, pencils, paper, all those things. Uh, While when you're a child, it doesn't really feel like much. It just feels like um, just something small that you're kind of, uh, you know, everyone has pencils, everyone has it. So you kind of feel like it doesn't create this huge burden on your parents. Um, I know when I got older and I started talking to my parents and understanding that financial stress that they were under, I should also mention that I was four years old when I uh, first came to Canada. So I really was a child not understanding much of what my parents were going through. Um, But yeah, as I got older and I talked to my parents and I just saw this heavy financial burden, um, that kind of motivated me to, you know, make a change. I I don't want parents to have to feel that sort of stress aside from the other stressors of being a refugee, right? Learning the the language, um, not having enough social support, not having access to a lot of mental health services, right? So um, a multitude of reasons, um, all really heightened by the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic though. 
you know, I've seen a lot of good that's come out of the pandemic with organizations like yours that like got started. I know that um, I watched a video a few days ago where there was this uh, a Chinese couple who basically they started this organization where they would deliver prepackaged and pre-cooked food to elderly Asian couples along uh, all around like the city. And, you know, like, Obviously, there were organizations like yours and like theirs that existed before the pandemic, but I feel like like COVID really caused like a surge of creativity to like burst mm-hmm. through everybody. And we all yeah. like did stuff that we would have normally not done. And I think the, do you all think that it really like made people more empathetic for others? I think, yeah, for sure. Maybe I think that it took like our blinders off. You know, there was all these like problems around us, but I think everyone was a little blind to them or at least didn't properly recognize them. When I say everyone, that's a huge generalization, but a large uh, portion of the population, um, we're all a little blind to these huge problems. And then during the pandemic, it's kind of like uh, the blinders came off and you really saw everything firsthand. I remember at the refugee organization that I was working with, um, you know, everyone has to stay home during the pandemic. Most people are work from home, but a lot of these individuals, they don't have a cell phone. They don't have access to internet. They don't have, there's so many different things that um, just, you know, for some people, the pandemic wasn't a crazy shift to their lifestyle, but Mm -hmm. for these disadvantaged individuals, it's just, it was so hard for them to really go on and continue and, um, you know, live their daily life with ease. And, and Miriam, just to add on to what you're saying, you're, one thing the pandemic really did was highlight the fact that people who are low income workers, mm-hmm. people who, you know, work at those Amazon fulfillment centers or factory workers, um, or who are food service workers, a lot of them were affected a lot differently than, you know, a lot of us who have the privilege of just working at home with our, our nice computer setup. So you see that it's those people who are already working these really difficult service jobs. They're on their feet all day. A lot of them are already struggling financially. The pandemic has affected them even more. And then a lot of them are the ones that have gotten COVID, have gotten sick severely, have died. And it's just, it's really unfortunate because it really does. I mean, we all know that there, we have so much privilege, um, I think. I can say that pretty confidently. I'm sure we all do compared to a lot of people. But then it just highlighted it even further, just seeing how it disproportionately affected some people, I think. 100%, yeah. And I like how uh, you know organizations like the School Back Project try to tackle those systemic issues. And you know, uh, going on to that with the systemic issues, what do you both hope to achieve long-term with this project? Um, I think, I mean, long-term, I think what Miriam and I are really hoping for is that we're able to build this really strong community um, and like build a very strong network of support and sort of provide support in a lot of different avenues and a lot of different ways to Afghan newcomers and especially focusing in on the youth. Um, And I think because both of us have experienced some challenges and have had difficulty navigating our education, we know firsthand what a lot of those experiences can be. And we're able to use our own experiences to anticipate what are some needs in the community and like, what are some ways that we can ensure the problems that we had or the challenges that we had other children or other Afghan youth aren't experiencing those same problems. So 
I guess in the long term, just just more support. So we're able to fill in any gaps that there might be. And just to um, branch off that point as well, uh, with regards to the support, we really hope to tackle like the, the mental health support as well. I feel like that's a huge one, um, especially for youth uh, during the pandemic or even without the pandemic, you know, uh, adjusting to a new country it's it's such a it's such a challenge so um definitely tackling upon those mental health supports as well outside of our mission of um health and education are there you know now that the pandemic is kind of slowing down at least in the u.s and canada uh you know the project i I feel like you guys are going to shift your focus away from some things that you did uh during uh during the pandemic so are there any projects that you guys have in mind right now that you hope to expand on? Uh, yeah, actually. So mm-hmm. we, um, I mean, the pandemic's been nice in a way that it lets you, it's forced us to reach more people because it's forced us to do things online, which means you don't have to like restrict things geographically to the city of Toronto or the city of Hamilton. You can do all over Ontario, which has been great. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I think we all probably feel this way. It's it's different when you can meet people and, and get support from people in person and really build that community and build those relationships and the yeah. rapport in person. So we um, we are thinking about starting a initiative that would involve us doing these biweekly drop-in after-school sessions. Um, And I think the goal is to have those situated in a really centralized location where we know that there are a lot of Afghan newcomers. So it's really easy for them to get to. And we haven't really finalized a lot of the details, but I think our main goal of those drop-in sessions will be to um, sort of create the space where a lot of the youth or kids now that I'm so old, I guess I can call them all kids to me, um, that they all come, they feel welcome to come, they'll have mentors there, um, people like myself and Miriam, and they're there and we'll, we're hoping to cover important topics, like, you know, things that have to do with like financial aid, how do you apply to college, how do you apply to university, things related to mental health, social problems, social relationships, um, school planning, education planning, and just in general, create this drop-in space where they can come and ask questions to people who've experienced things they've experienced, who have some of that life experience that they don't have just yet, and hopefully be able to, to help them and give them that support that they might not get in other parts of their life, I think. And uh, I don't know if, Miriam, you want to add anything or if I missed anything. Yeah, I think that captures it perfectly. And um, aside from those missions, it'll be a great space for them to create friends. I know that um, when I was growing up, I didn't really feel very connected to the Afghan community. Um, I wasn't in like a predominantly Afghan place, but, you know, meeting like-minded people who are interested in these, uh, talking about uh, these issues at the drop-in session, we can facilitate these like lifelong friendships um, among these youth. Yeah, um, I really appreciate you guys you know like making this group for the youth you know for I'm I'm 18 so for people like my age and just being able to connect to people with the similar like cultural backgrounds and just similar mindsets because a lot of the times I feel like we don't really know like what to do or like who to help because you know we have like our parents right but you know they're either busy or because they they're you know for people of our background, they're from different countries, so they don't really understand our struggles because they grew up in a different background, you know? 
So, you know, you can't really like depend on them for that. And, you know, all of your friends, you know, like for you, Mariam, you said that you didn't really grow in a heavily Afghan background. And I don't know about you, Bahar, but it was that the same for you? Yeah, no, I, I really didn't. I, I think Mariam is probably one of the, uh, one of like my third Afghan friends I've made in my entire life. I didn't oh, wow. grow up with, we didn't grow up in, I think we both just grew up in cities where there weren't a lot of Afghans. Um, a lot of the Afghans tend to, especially newcomers, a lot of them tend to start off in this certain neighborhood in Toronto, which is where we started off. But as soon as you all move from there, there aren't a lot of Afghans anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and a, a lot of it was just even a lot of like confusion or just intimidation with even reaching out to other Afghans or just having a hard time thinking that we'd be able to connect with them. Um, but in the end, when you, when you get older and you, you meet other people who are Afghan, you realize, oh, we all had a very similar experience. Mm-hmm. We're all experiencing very similar things. So I think that's what we're hoping to help facilitate too. Yeah, because it's like, you know, you grow up for so long without other people uh, that are from the same cultural slash ethnic background as you are that you don't really know how to interact with them, you know, and then, but once you do actually get to the point of talking to them, then you realize how similar you are. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. When I, when I met Bahar, it was so nice for us talking about our upbringing, like our culture. And I felt like I never really ever experienced that um, outside of like members of my family. So um, it'll definitely be nice to harbor those relationships and kids uh, before they become like older adults. Well, it sounds very exciting. And I wish both of you the best of luck in those endeavors. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are, it does look like it's about time for a short break for us. So stay tuned, everybody. Today's featured business is Shot by Zeta. Shot by Zeta is a multifaceted photography business run by Natalie Zeta Jones that specializes in unique, stylized portraiture and product photography. Incorporating elements of fashion and street photography, Natalie is able to create atmosphere and personality within each of her shoots. Check her out at Shot by Zeta on Instagram. Now please tune your ears to work from today's musical artist, David Moneymaker. Thank you.
Welcome back, everyone. So uh, before we left off, we talked a lot about the School Back Project and a lot about the specifics with the project and what Mariam and Bahar and the rest of our team want to do with it in the future. Uh, and I'd like to go, I'd like to delve more into, I don't know, the philosophy of the project, if that makes sense. So we talked a lot about both of your guys' experience of being Afghan immigrants immigrating to Canada when you were young and, you know, uh, having to integrate with the local culture as well as just being kind of like treated differently because people kind of assumed that you didn't really speak English, you know, and your family, you know, your families couldn't really help you because they were trying to, you know, situate themselves within the country, trying to f- have bread on a table and whatnot. Right. And so that really taught both of you guys a lot about the importance of, you know, like, maintaining your local culture while also being integrated with the local community is that correct Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so my question is how important is the school back project to you both as afghans in supporting your cultural community is it like kind of a way for you to give back to your community in a way uh yeah yeah exactly i think not to speak for Miriam, I'm sure it's really important for the both of us. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I know we we talked about it a bit in depth earlier, but we both had some problems growing up um, in terms of figuring out like how to navigate school and jobs and careers and futures. And I think because we had some of those challenges and we felt sort of probably like alone and misguided and kind of unclear, we want to be able to make sure that a lot of other people don't feel that way. And I don't want to, um, I don't want to disparage all the help that I got from my siblings. So I do want to be mindful that I am so lucky because I have, I have two older siblings um, who have been so helpful my entire life in terms of everything. They're older than me. So they've always been to school. Um, they've always been a few years ahead of me in school they're incredibly smart and incredibly accomplished themselves. So, I mean, I've always had them to help me in a way that in that sense, I'm so lucky because I had that. And if I was my older sister who was absolutely, absolutely was on her own, that would have been a very different story. So um, she had no one to help her. She was on her own entirely. And, um, she was able to make it work. Um, and I think she probably had some challenges too, but she made them work. Um, but no one should have to work that hard, I think. I think you work hard to a certain extent, but everyone should have a support system that can kind of help them navigate the challenges um, so that it's a reasonable amount of stress and not so that it's debilitating. Um, so I did just want to say that I was so lucky because I had older siblings. And if I didn't, then it would have been even more difficult for me. And even with me having really great and intelligent older siblings who could help guide me, I still felt like I didn't have that community that some people would have had they not been immigrants. So, for example, I think a lot that helps people who've been in Canada for a few generations is, you know, having parents who have connections or or friends who've done that career so if you're interested in going into some sort of trades or you're interested in going into law or accounting or finance or you want to do a phd or medicine or dentistry or whatever it is your parents having been here for generations they have friends who've done that or they know people who work at certain companies or certain schools and then they'll just 
get you to hop on a call with this person or why don't you email them and they can give you some insider advice or they can give you advice on how to study for the GRE or how to do this application or student loans and a lot of these things I think a lot of us were kind of in the dark with I mean I know for myself like being in high school I didn't even know what courses to take I didn't I couldn't decide what I wanted to do I I didn't know how a lot of jobs worked the only jobs we're told about by our parents are I mean we all know um doctor lawyer engineer accountant teacher we're like given those five options and that's about it um or get a PhD um, and that's about it. So you don't really know about all of the other jobs or, or paths that you can take. Um, and I realized when I was applying to universities, I didn't know what to do. When I started university, I didn't know what to do. Towards the end of undergrad, I was so confused. It also, it all just like worked out pretty well for me. And I think I got kind of lucky and somehow I'm finishing my PhD now and I'm really happy with my choices but it wasn't with a lot of like confusion and stress and just like having no idea what I was going to do. So I just, I don't think anyone should have to work that hard or be that confused or or stressed out. I think it would be good if we can just make sure that other people in our communities have that sort of support that we may not have had and just help them along the way um, with that. So that's my very long-winded uh long-winded answer i think to that question <laughs> i mean you, yeah oh go ahead Maria. i'm sorry I, I was just saying that i think she encapsulated everything um so perfectly in that explanation and i just wanted to add on that i see like a lot of the children that are associated with the school bag project and maybe i shouldn't say children maybe like youth um the ones that are in <laughs> high school i really see myself in all of them and it's just weird because i want to like tell them everything I know now um, regarding like our educational career path and just uh, what we should have done differently, just some advice that they could rely on. I just want to tell them everything, just like spill my whole like advice that's just ruminating around my brain. And also like, um, I don't know, my parents, they always have like family friends, uh, Afghan family friends that will reach out to me and ask me about like, oh, well, how did you get into UFT? What do you do here? Like, how do you do that? And it's just like to create these avenues already through an organization like the School Bag Project, um, you know, that gonna, that's gonna create the world of difference. Yeah, and Miriam, just to like add on to what you said, I, part of the reason why I realized there's such a need for something like this in the community was that I, I mean, my parents would go around giving my phone number <laughs> to a bunch of people, a bunch of strangers that I didn't know. And then I'd get messages on my phone from someone saying, hi, I'm so-and-so's daughter or son. Um, and I'm applying universities and I want to do this. What should I do? Or I want to, how'd you do this? Or how'd you get into this? Or what courses should I take? And I realized that there's this need because their parents might not know how to help them. So someone needs to sort of like step in and, and be able to like fill that gap, I guess. You know, that's really important because I think, I mean, you would both agree that seeing someone of your same cultural or like a similar ethnic background being in a, you know, leadership position or being in a career that you may be interested in, it really inspires you, doesn't it? For sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Representation is, is really important in, um, like, I guess, uh, Bahar and myself, we're in, we're in science, but really in, in any career, right? Um, representation of your background, your skin color, your um, religion, your sexual orientation, all of it, right? It's so important. You know, and it's funny because uh, I know Bahar and both of you actually talked about being contacted by like different people or like, you know, Bahar, like your parents give away like your number to like random people, right? And you're like, well, who are you, right? But, you know, it's, I know that I'm uh, a bit younger than both of you, but it's like the same thing for like, uh, you're my- a lot, you're a lot younger than me. Oh, don't say that. I just say a bit, a bit, just a bit. <laughs> but, you know, even like for me, like for people that are younger than me, a lot of like, you know, like random like families that like my parents know, they'll ask like, hey, like, how did Shurjil do this? Or like, how did he do that? And they're like, I'll oh, just ask Shurjil, right? Or even like my, like, you know, different like uh, ethnic friends, like Arab friends or Indian friends, right? They'll, they'll be, uh, you know, they'll have these incredible achievements, right? And so they serve as an inspiration for their local communities to where different kids are asking them how they did what they did, right? And, you know, it, like, I don't know, doesn't it kind of make you feel, like, honored that, like, you're in this position to where, like, people of your community look up to you and they want to get your advice, right? And it also makes you feel good that people are following in that path and that you've inspired people, you know? Yeah, absolutely does make it I wouldn't I don't know if worthwhile is the word to use but it does sort of put all the challenges or all the hard work or the things that we've dealt with it puts a lot of it in perspective and it's like okay I did struggle throughout undergrad and all this and whatever but I mean at least I can take everything that I experienced and somehow use it then to make things easier for a lot more people which is a good way of putting a positive spin on any challenges that we experience I guess and and just to add to that it, it makes me feel really grateful like I know um although it's really difficult navigating a new country like our parents you know um the experiences that they went through uh the road that they paved for us you know it's like it, it's it's so hard to ever really pay them back um but it makes me feel really grateful for all that they've done for us yeah, and, you know, it's like a way of giving back to them as well as to the community as a whole for, like, nurturing you, you know? And, you know, I think a good thing about the School Back Project is that you're helping out Afghan children being Afghans yourselves, you know, to where uh, they can, if they have any concerns, right, about their families or, you know, like, you know how like you know our parents ethnic parents tend to have different expectations mm-hmm. right you know sometimes they tend to be very strict usually right and then you know like how bahar was talking about having only five career options right and for among the pakistani community we have a joke as to like when you're born your parents sit you down and they're like well you can be a doctor you can be a lawyer or you can be an engineer you have those three <laughs> options so pick now <laughs> right and you know like just having somebody that is older than you that you can even like, you know, just going to talk to your parents, right? I know that for me, my uh, parents almost, this is going to be kind of funny, but my parents almost sent me to medical school in Pakistan 
because it's quicker there than it is here <laughs> in America, right? Uh, but I talked to a doctor, right, that was educated here. That, that was also Pakistani, right? And he talked to my parents and they're like, oh, you know, it's not a good idea, right? So just having an older person with more experience of the same cultural background really does help in the long run. Yeah, and also just to have someone to advocate for you because I had actually someone who obviously never met this person before and my dad gave me someone's phone number once and he was really adamant about me calling them because he's like, oh, I, I met I met their dad at the Afghan grocery store and they know my daughter's doing a PhD and call call his daughter she wants to talk to you on the phone and I was like what he's like no no you have to just call his daughter she wants to talk to you on the phone she's applying to universities um I went in blind I I spoke to her on the phone and I realized that she just needed someone to advocate for her and to talk to her parents and tell them that it would be a good idea for her to live on campus because they didn't want her to live on campus, but the school that would have been a better program for her in the long run was very far from their house. And they wanted her to just live at home and then go to a school that uh, might not have been as good for her career-wise. And so she just wanted someone to talk to her parents on the phone and say, yeah, like it's safe, it's a good idea, it'll be better for her long-term, you should let her do it. And then that's it, that's all I had to do. She just wanted, them to hear it from someone who's been in a similar situation and came out of it alive and okay and that's all she needed just an advocate I guess I relate to that because I have a college close by that isn't that great but the college that I go to it's like about an hour away right my parents wanted me to go to the college that was close to home so I could live with them but you know like like what she said that college doesn't have like that good of a program right than the one that's farther away and if there hadn't been a lot of people from the Pakistan community, as well as just like the Muslim community in general, that went to that university, I probably wouldn't have been able to go, you know. <laughs> so it, it's just really important to, for even like people of our older generations, like all of all three of our parents to be able to see that to have to see people in that position and be like, oh, you know, it's OK. You know, you'll be safe. Yeah, because right, they you know? don't because like you mean they're busy thinking about how to put food on the table, how to like maintain their jobs, the, just the bare minimum. They're not, they're not thinking about those other more intricate things because they're dealing with more important things like, you know, how to stay alive, how to pay the bills. Um, so it's really important, I think, to have those people in the community that can do that extra work or to help in that way or to like share their experiences and so that so that everyone can make more informed decisions, which is what I think like was my biggest issue. I, I couldn't make a lot of informed decisions. And I always felt like I was going into things very blind or kind of just like making a random choice and going along with it. Cause I didn't, I didn't know anyone who did it. And I didn't know anyone who did the things that I wanted to do, who had Afghan parents, who understood that there's this whole like extra layer and all these like implications that come with things. So think that's what Miriam and I are trying to sort of create. Yeah, and it's such a perfect example of how, um, aside from how our mission is education, you know, these relationships that we want to harbor, like the social capital that we really want to build for these newcomers, it really transcends conversations just about education, but it can move on to just conversations about 
a child's fears, a child's um, stigma that may be experienced around a certain topic, just having an older role model that is Afghan, I think that's a really important thing. Um, cultural competence in a conversation is so important because of course when we're kids, we don't want to reach out to someone that's outside of our culture, it feels very foreign to us. Mm -hmm. um, so just, you know, having that role model of someone that is our culture that we feel we can talk to about these like more taboo or uh, topics that have stigma around them. And I really, I, I do really like that. I think honestly, for me, that's the most impressive part of your guys' program is building that social capital and, you know, fostering those relationships. And like what you said, it is hard to talk to somebody that isn't part of your culture and what your program does. It, it gives, you know, like you have both of you guys and like all the rest of the team, you guys are older Afghans who have that experience and, you know, who younger Afghans to, can look up to, you know, and I, I really like that. And so, you know, going off of that is, you know, if somebody finds out about the school back project and they want to get involved, how can they? Yeah, so um, all our information regarding getting involved, it is on our website at www.theschoolbagproject.com. And, you know, we're always looking for volunteers, volunteers to help us with our initiatives, um, especially now that a lot of stuff is online. You know, individuals from America who are interested can also get involved. Um, you know, we're looking to expand. So if anyone is interested and they are passionate about the cause as well, just don't hesitate to uh, reach out to us on our website. And do you have anything to add to that, Bahar? Um, I just want to say um, thanks, Miriam. That was awesome. And anyone should feel free to reach out to us from any walk of life doing anything because we just want to be able to expose um, Afghan newcomers and Afghan youth to people from every single type of career path. So, and I say that just to emphasize, I mean, not just people who are like lawyers and doctors and PhDs and engineers, just any career, because there's so many, so many amazing careers and career paths and the trades are amazing. And there's a lot of jobs that are overlooked because they might not be valued in some of our cultures, obviously. But we want to just give everyone a full idea of what all the potential avenues are for them. So um, really just anyone, the, the more people with, I think, the more different experiences and different, different backgrounds, I think the better for everyone involved. You guys really need to expand to the States, please. We need you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know you guys are really big about education about educating the youth and making sure that they're able to pursue whatever passions they have even though they they might not know what passions they are you know but uh, i want to just end the show with what advice would you give people in my generation you know 18 to 20 ish 30 ish whatever who want to help others in a lasting way but don't even know where to start that's a, that's a really great question. And I think um, just from my experience with the school bag project, one of the most important things is to, you know, have a goal, but don't be outcome focused or don't worry about the how and the why. Take it one step at a time. So you'd be surprised originally when um, my sister and I were talking about the project, obviously one of the biggest things is money, right? We're just like, wait, how are we going to have this project funded? Like, how are we going to get these bags for the youth, right? Um, but, you know, taking it that one step at a time, you'll be surprised that 
the opportunities, they really flow to you if you're not just always anxious about the outcome, which I know is difficult. I know it's easier said than done. Um, I definitely was anxious about the, the um, funding and building the foundation at first, but it was interesting because uh, in the beginning of our organization, another Afghan organization called Aidi, amazing and wonderful organization, they reached out to us and they actually had an incubator program for uh, Afghan youth just like us that are starting this uh, new grassroots initiative. So they actually funded us, they provided mentorship. And, you know, we didn't even know about this before beginning. And it's just sometimes crazy that sometimes people may feel like barriers to starting a certain project because they don't see the specific steps outlined from the start, but trust the process, those steps, they'll, they'll come to you. The opportunities will come, just keep trying and take it one day at a time. And um, just to add on to what Miriam said, there's really no, there's nothing that you can do to attempt to help someone that is too small. So like the smallest things can make the biggest impact and have such a significant impact on what someone does. So I wouldn't just going into, like even with myself, like I just saw what Miriam was doing and I was like, I love this. I used to love doing this type of work. I really want to get into it. I just shot her a message and then it all just happened so organically and it just kind of happened and now we're here today and we're talking to you which is awesome and we have these really big plans for the future and it all just happened because I read an article of hers on LinkedIn and I was like I want to message her and that was it <laughs> so any 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 small step could have a huge impact so nothing's too small I think so in conclusion start out small seek out people that have the same interests as you yeah. and get a get a LinkedIn Get a yeah. yeah. Yes. Get a <laughs> I really need Shameless to work on mine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, again, uh, it does appear that we have run out of time for this episode. Thank you both, Mariam and Bahar, for coming on today's show. We're really honored for to have you know an international cast for once. Thank you. But you know, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. So nice mm -hmm. talking to you. And for all of the non-ethnic people, we're sorry if we were talking in terms that didn't make sense, but I think this episode is really helpful in highlighting the issues that we Pakistani, Afghans, all other ethnic people have to face because our parents are really strict and we have to, you know, it, it is more difficult for us to carve a way out in this world, you know. But uh, yeah, and then for anybody that does have a similar background, you know, uh, reach out to Bahar or Mariam if you need advice. But uh, yeah, again, thank you guys so much. Uh, and I'd like to thank all of you, the listeners, for tuning in to today's episode of The Helping Hand. I hope that you'll stick around for more interesting content. This is Shirjil Naeem signing out. <laughs>